0: 125 and link to the cast your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera on the show this week. Accio screenshots Are we really getting an open world potter? No PSX this year, step forward, an unlikely savior. FIFA sails down year on year. What's up with that? And our book club this week talks about the game that got us to Spider Man on PS4 it's Sunset Overdrive. Let's start the program. <laughs> to the cast episode 125 a quarter of the way to 500 Ooh, from your friends over at linkedcast.eu, available on all your favorite podcasting platforms apple Podcasts, soundcloud podcast Addict, and Stitcher. i'm your party host dave ryan and i'm joined on the line thankfully uh, as i am every week by the platforming prodigy that is mark robinson how are you my friend dave when was the last time we did this show and there
1: wasn't any technical difficulties
0: has there been a first time
1: Ah, uh, I'm pretty sure we've I had mean, maybe I, three I mean, episodes.
0: I mean, I guess when we used to be recording in the same room together for a couple of years. Yeah,
1: that worked. Yeah. That was bliss. But then,
0: like, any time we wanted somebody on the show when we lived in the same house, then there were technical difficulties. No, you just
1: had to go upstairs.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was sequestered.
1: Like, as far as difficulties go, that's more a logistical one than a technical one. And even then, it wasn't particularly that difficult. <laughs>
0: I still think the all-timer the was the time that I tried to do... Was it was the first game of the year when you were up a mountain in China. Yeah. And, um, I I had rigged my PC and my TV and my, my Skype situation in such a way that uh, I could hear myself and Brian through my own headphones and Jack was shouting out of the TV at me. <laughs> I wasn't even aware of that, but... <laughs> it is, to this day, Mark, if you asked me to rig up a sound system like that, I would not be able to do it like that.
1: That is uh, some North Korean fucking boot camp buck shit. But yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Um so I uh, uh, got Netflix, which I feel is like about the fourth time. Um, and I've actually been watching stuff and not just watching One Punch Man again for like the fifth time because that is my go-to. I actually sat down and I just thought, fuck it, you know what, I'm going to watch Rick and Morty and just see what the deal with it is, what the appeal fandom is
0: with that <laughs> show. This is already a very cool dad anecdote. I know. Right? I want I want to see what all them hip kids, them them happening cats are well, talking about.
1: Like people like swear by it. I've had people in the office tell me, "Hey, it's a very funny show. Just watch it." So, I was like, all right, sure, whatever. And um, I I hammered through two seasons in two days, and yeah, it's it's very. F- First of all, I, I presume you've you've watched
0: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah in, okay. it, in its entirety, I believe. But I'm yeah. um, very. My memories of season three are quite sketchy, I'll be honest. All right.
1: um, so, as I said, I've done the first two seasons. Um, I, I pretty much went through one season in one day because um, I came into the office on Sunday because, as I think I've mentioned before, I live pretty much next door to my office. Um, and so I just kind of came uh,
0: in... I, I, I'm not completely convinced you don't live in your office. Uh, uh, just a that you have an apartment. There, there are
1: times where it does feel like that. But, uh, no, I, I came into the office and I just hammered through the first season while I was uh, on my PC playing games and whatnot Um, because the stuff that I was playing meant that watching something would be a nice kind of thing to have in the background I think I've realised that I find it very difficult to do one individual task in life like if I'm doing something I need to also be doing something else as well and I think that's Come from the amount of podcasts that I listen to. That
0: yeah, uh, dude, I have the exact same thing. I have the exact same thing.
1: If as long as I have a podcast on, I can do anything else because I know I'm accomplishing two things at the same time. Because l- life and time are fragile, precious things that I don't have anymore. Um, like if I play video games, I usually have a podcast on, and I can't. I can't just play video games. I have to have that as well. Um, yeah, I. It's just the one thing I can't do is I can't obviously read a book and do anything else because that's pretty much impossible to do. Um, But yeah, that, that's a real thing that I have now. And, uh, and that's, that's part of the reason I don't watch a lot of TV because I just, I can't do that and and not do something else. The the switch is a way of alleviating that issue, I guess, to a degree. There's certain,
0: there's certainly a sub genre of game where I've discovered over the year, I can like throw a box. I used to have a portable DVD player, that I would pop up like beside the TV or beside me. Um, in more recent years, it's my laptop. Uh, I'll, I can play a TV show on, but again, like you kind of said, it has to be a certain game. Usually, that game is FIFA because, as you will attest to, like FIFA is muscle memory for me. Sure. Like I don't, I don't really have to pay a hundred percent attention when, um, when FIFA's on uh there's a couple of other games that are like that most games unless it's really narrative heavy i'm quite confident listening to a podcast during but it requires that that special kind of game that is something that you play all the time like a fifa uh to have a tv show on during
1: sure um but um but yeah i i think that it's a very funny show i think that it uh, has kind of similar ideas or a similar execution, um, not unlike South Park, in being completely like surreal at points of his comedy, completely like yeah. like pushing to the extreme. But also underneath, there are actual kind of human points and tones and like actual messages that are being put across, but can easily be either missed or just ignored because of the kind of extreme. Yeah. Uh, surreal uh humor that's there at the forefront um yeah. with that said it you know it, it definitely does uh push uh certain buttons to the point like um the bit where uh uh mr jellybean is being very um forward with his affection for Morty that even I was just like mm-hmm. oh my god what is this'
0: Yeah,
1: um, but the difference between say a South Park and Rick and Morty is that um, there isn't that kind of centrist leaning aspect.
0: With oh my uh, god, it's like, developers. You want to something that something fucks me off royally about South yeah, Park.
1: Yeah, which you've mentioned before, but with uh, Rick and Morty, it makes it pretty much clear where you've got a roided up Rick and a roided up Summer beating the shit out of neo Nazis and uh, evangelical Christians holding up signs that say "God hates homosexual people." So it makes that pretty clear where it stands. Yeah, Dan enjoy.
0: Harmon is a lot of things, but subtle isn't one of them.
1: <laughs> no, the show is not subtle at all. Um, and what, what's interesting as well is that it's surprising that I do like the show as much, considering that most of the characters have, like, most of the, that family have like no redeeming qualities whatsoever, and the redeeming yeah. qualities that are are there only come out in very sporadic times. Um, mm. But, like, other than Morty, who's just a, the human equivalent of Courage the Cowardly Dog, uh, like, <laughs> Rick is an awful person. Summer is the self-obsessed brat of a teenager. Um, I can't remember the dad's name. Jesus, what's his name? Um, um, oh, gosh. No, I, I, I'll,
0: I'll look it up.
1: It's gone, talking. but he, like, the, the, the marriage... Jerry. Yes, Jerry, yeah. Like, those two, that marriage is just this... Uh, I guess it's kind of, there's a charm to it that they, they're they constantly on the brink of getting a divorce but somehow kind of work through things. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, just the, 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 the concepts that um, that show goes with uh, and the ideas and how like crazy it goes with them. Uh, I Yeah, it, it pulls them off. Um, uh, and I think it was like three or four episodes in with the Mr. Six episode that I was like, okay, yeah. I, I think I'm on board with this. I think I can work with this um and yeah it's 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 funny it's it's a good show i'm like five years behind but whatever i'm here now
0: yeah i i I love the mr meetings episode i i think it's um it's one of those shows where i don't think it starts off great uh i think the first episode of rick and morty is the worst episode of rick and morty um and it's kind of like not fully representative of where the show would go from there uh but if you get through that you will quite enjoy it and, and i do love that first season i i i'm a huge fan of dan Harmon, uh one of the creators him and justin Roiland created the show uh because i love community which is the show he did before yeah um so huge fan of community so that got me a lot of like that was what made me push through the the bad first episode to get to the good stuff and, uh, yeah, I really like it. The problem I've always had with it, and I, I think we mentioned it before on the show, is that like it has one of the more toxic fan bases around. Well, uh, see, I... With something like and, that... And this is coming from somebody who enjoys video games and professional wrestling, when I yeah. say that they care a particularly hor- horrible bunch of people.
1: Yeah, see, I'm really good at ignoring that kind of stuff, yeah. so it doesn't affect me in the way that it might some other people. And it's a fairly legitimate thing to have that be a thing that bothers you but uh, for me i don't know i guess i'm probably far removed outside of the um time when it was kind of around that like the, the extreme fandom is either i wouldn't say died down but it's not as apparent and at the forefront as it may have been say two three years ago
0: yeah like i i usually when a new season comes out um like i'll wait until everybody has already watched it and the discourse has stopped and then I'll just watch it all in one go, having not read any of the discourse, and then I will just not tweet about it, because I'm just not interested in getting into a discussion about it, you know? <laughs>
1: uh, so, yeah, that's that's been me, and um, maybe next I'll watch... Um,
0: I don't know. Uh... Arrested Development. Mm, maybe, maybe. What about or you? Community. Do you know, honestly, I think Community would probably be good for you, because you're... Um, it it's very referential and although like it'll reference some tv that you probably don't know you're pretty cine literate so like a lot of the movie homages and humor in it would be right up your street i think I think. I've, I think i've watched one episode before and i did enjoy it so maybe that's yeah and that's one that does it gets better like the first f- f- i said four seasons i think it's it's either three or four seasons before dan harman briefly quit uh that were really good and then the season where he's gone is terrible and the season where he comes back to finish off the show is pretty good i thought
1: you were gonna say it takes four seasons to get good like the assassin's creed odyssey yeah i saw this
0: uh, i actually watched a tv show myself this week um and like it's really good but i'm i'm hastening to recommend it to people because like it's real fucking bleak so in in some respects it might be right up the robinson street Um, But I watched Sharp Objects. Have you heard of this show? I have not. So um, this is an HBO show that uh, stars Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson uh, and a couple of other people. And it's based on a a Gillian Flynn novel. Gillian Flynn, who wrote Gone Girl. Um, Okay, yeah, yeah, I know that. Um, So it's a limited run show, it was only eight episodes, and I literally, like, uh, it's been on my tablet to watch it for months. Like, this show wrapped up, I think, before the start of the summer, and I keep going, oh, when I get on the plane or when I have a long journey, I'm going to get into Sharp Objects. But I don't know if you have this, like, I definitely have this with shows I haven't watched before. There are some contexts under which I won't, uh, not just that I have to be in the mood to start a new show, but sometimes I'll be like especially with HBO dramas and their tendency to have nudity. I'm like, I don't really want to get into the show while I'm here on a plane because like if someone walks by at an inopportune moment and there's just like an arse flying past the screen on it. <laughs> sure. I, I, I'm in a world of trouble. Uh, you know, I uh, even though I'm just trying to watch game of Thrones or some shit. So I, I kind of like a couple of times I had gone to start the first episode and I had no idea when when I hear these prestige dramas and the people are saying it's really good, I completely stop myself from finding out any more about it. I want the show to completely catch me off guard. So I didn't even watch any trailers for this show. Had no idea what it was about. Um and it's about this journalist that Amy Adams plays that um she goes back to her own hometown, which is this like tiny, tiny town in like Bumblefuck, Missouri. Um, and she is going to report on there had been a couple of grisly murders of young girls uh, in the area, and she has, like, she's going back into the town where she kind of left, In it seemed like she burned a lot of bridges when she left when she was younger, and she has a very, very strange relationship with her mother and her stepfather, Um, and then she has a half-sister that she, I don't think she's ever met, or at least she was very small when she met her before, and it's about her kind of getting your while she's there's kind of like there's two narratives going on. There's the narrative of her investigating um this these murders and getting back into her hometown and, and what happened to the town she left behind. But then there's also like a lot of secrets in her past that are coming up. Um the the cinematography, the editing here is brilliant because it has kind of uh, soundless memories keep blinking in like as she's doing something. You know the way you'd have like a sense memory of something, Mark? Like if you're somewhere you've already been before, like a flash of a memory in your head will come past. Um, they've done a really good job of recreating that sensation with the way they kind of do backflashes to things that sometimes it, it's it's very clear what it's what our memory is of and sometimes it's 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 very vague and it's something that you'll revisit later on. So that's going on. And then there's like, because you're following Amy Adams' character the whole time, Camille, um, you're unsure. The show keeps uh, suggesting to you that your narrator might be unreliable, that the things she's seeing and the way she's seeing them or the things she's remembering and the way she's remembering them may not necessarily be the way they are. Um, so you're constantly questioning um, what you're being shown and what is happening um, and it's like it, it it unfurls as one sort of show for the first episode at the end of the, the first episode kind of something really kicks it into gear and it's another type of show until I'd say the end of episode 6 something happens at the end of episode 6 and pretty much the, the very end of episode 6, all of episode 7 and all of episode 8 is just a nonstop onslaught of like revelations and and t- twists but the kind of twist like not a, not a Vince Russo twist as we would call it Mark where you're like that fucking makes no sense but the kind of twist where you should have seen it coming which is the best kind of twist you know when you look back on the things that have been presented to you and you realise wow that makes a lot of sense that that has happened Um, that's the kind of thing you're getting in that show it's like it's 8 45 minute episodes long um it's probably one of the best shows i've seen this year it is brutal and it is depressing and it like it it is it, like a real downer of a show i would recommend like having a box set of the simpsons or something fucking nearby uh for when you're done uh, or get back to rick and morty season two for you uh but yeah um sharp object it's really really fucking good but there's um i will say uh, for anybody who hasn't really looked into it uh, i i will give a brief trigger warning before you get into it if you have any sort of kind of issues with um mental illness, self-harm that kind of stuff um those issues do come up now and then in that show i, I won't say how because i don't want to spoil it on people but just be aware if that's something that you you find hard to deal with um and violence as well of course i suppose Um, If those are things you find hard to deal with, then it mightn't be the show for you, but I I thoroughly recommend it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Shall we talk about something less bleak? The world of video games.
1: Mm,
0: (laughs) Sure. Okay. (laughs) Sometimes less bleak. Mm. Anyway, playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy II. Mm -hmm. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, Thanks i meant scum of the earth. Thanks, my friend. I'm seeing here that you haven't played anything. What? 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 What is happening? Have you? Have you become a real boy? Have you? Have you grown up? Aged out of this pastime? No,
1: I just I haven't had time for anything this week. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. yeah. So, uh, just I, I have Spider-Man. I will start it um, probably Friday, and then yeah. So I, I have nothing this week. So, Dave, the floor is
0: yours. Yeah, I only have two really brief things here to talk about, because I, as I was saying to Mark before we, we got on the air, the the backlog is starting to creep up. Um, I powered through and platinumed Spider-Man, which I was talking about on the show last week. Um, and since then, I've been, because I'm going away to Germany on Friday morning, I, I've been loath to get into anything new before I have to just go away for four days. So I, I'm kind of just playing some old stuff at the moment, uh, still plugging away at, at FIFA 19, getting to grips with that. I, I, I kind of echo the sentiments I had last week. I'm getting more and more used to that new passing and shooting system. I think it's really, it's really improved my enjoyment of the game. It's, it's a real learning curve sort of thing. I was looking like a right dipshit missing like open goals from five yards for a while. But um, the more time has gone on, the more I've become inured to it. And, um, yeah, I, I think the actual moment-to-moment feel of that game, now that I've got used to it, is much better. Uh, played a couple of online games at it. Yeah, people are still absolute trash fires on that. Uh, I actually got a message from a friend of the show, Ben Kavna, who plays the game a lot. Uh, online more than I do. I would play it offline more than he does, but he he loves the online seasons. And uh, he likes to, every year, he likes to send me the first abusive message he gets. Uh, and he sent me his first one, which, um, le- let me tell you, I think it was one of the very first games he played and someone was already uh, sending him abuse. And this is from a guy uh, who has the... Who has a reference to ketamine in his username? That's all I'll say. So that'll tell you. That'll tell you the level of of person you're dealing with. Would you like to hear a dramatic reading of this brief message, Mark? Please do. Please. This uh, is just. This is. Indulge yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. This is very illustrative of the FIFA community when you just beat them fair and square in a game. I've never messaged anyone over FIFA before, but you, you shit cunt. How the fuck you managed to win is far from beyond me.
1: <laughs> uh, that's and, pretty much part of the course then, really.
0: Because Ben has his uh, his messages like only friends can message him on PSN, what the dude did was went and added him to a group that was just the two of them and then messaged him in that group. Fucking hell. But that, like, literally, that is... I have gotten like that. That seems to be like a, an unofficial template for bastards uh, to message <laughs> people. Because I I have gotten the the line I've never messaged anyone over FIFA before, a uh, several times. So I don't know who the fuck these people are. That like it's just oh it's it's always I've never messaged anyone over FIFA before. Fuck off, like. Um, but, yeah, I've I played a couple of online games. It, it's still fun once you're not chatting with anybody and you ignore them. Um, I played a couple of house rules games, the the one where um, you can set that every time you score a goal, you get someone sent off at random. That's really fun. Uh, and I think that might be a thing. Uh, In our other group chat, Mark, with our our former housemates, there's talk of a games night coming up. And I think that might be something I would be willing to table would be a game of house rules FIFA. It seems like a a lot of fun and a way to even the score between people who would tend to score a lot of goals and people who would tend to score very few. Um, So that might be worth talking about. The other thing I've played a little bit this week, and it's because it's been in the news. Uh, I've been back playing the dark side detective a little bit. Mm hmm the uh the 2016 it was a 2017 2017 game from spooky doorway in ireland a game which full disclosure i announced a couple of weeks ago on the show that i have backed on kickstarter for season two because i very much enjoyed that game it was my uh my kind of comedy game of the year last year this point and click adventure buddy cop sci-fi joint Um, so I've been getting back into that because all the, the bonus cases have arrived on switch recently and I haven't played through, I think two of those. So uh, I've been kind of saving it for a special occasion plowing through it again. Now, um, the switch version is, is pretty good of that game. And now I have noticed there's one particular thing I keep doing. I go to boot up one of the cases. And then if I do one exact thing immediately, it keeps crashing. Um, so like there's a couple of bugs in that switch version um but other than that like the because it's you know it's not exactly um hemorrhaging uh processing out of the cpu like it's not it's not having any hitches or anything like that because it is just a simple like pixelated point and click but um yeah other than those couple of issues it works fine Uh, i replayed through my favorite uh case which is the one in the library with like uh HB Lovecraft is in that and uh Terry Pratchett and a few others. There's lots of good references. Alistair Crowley pops up in the attic trying to get some porn on uh the computer in the microfiche room. Um yeah it it's a really good game. I I, I really like it. I still kind of stand by my even the second time round I'm still chuckling at the humor in it. It's very much up my street. Uh they passed seventy five percent of their funding on uh on kickstarter the other day and i think they've still got a couple of weeks left to get that remaining 25 percent. so if it's a game you enjoy i'd go check it out and i think on steam you can get the first two cases for free if you want to try it out um because i know our friends mark over the sting podcast were um tweeting at them about could they get a demo or something like that so yeah i think the first two episodes are up on steam it's it's well worth checking out yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've been playing. I don't really want to get too much into detail on games I've already long since covered on the show. So we just get straight into the news, shall we? I think we can do that. Cool. The news. News on the march. Mark. This is this is like this is one of those news stories that is like. It wrapped up in a bow and the, the label is written to dave from your dreams on it. uh in some respects <laughs> well I, I the more i've thought of this um the more i don't know uh, and that is just to kind of update people on it there has been um some leaks some screenshots uh coming out of a a supposed Open world Harry Potter RPG, um, coming from Warner Brothers, uh, but not uh, according to the story from your gamer uh, through Rocksteady. But uh, I, I didn't necessarily think it was. Uh, considering, I think I think pretty much everyone is agreed that Rocksteady are d- still doing something within like the DC universe, like I whether mean- it's...
1: Uh, I would love to see a Harry Potter game set or using the like Arkham Ark. Asylum Ark. combat slash engine. That is a Harry Potter game I play. That is the only Harry Potter game I would play.
0: <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah, so th- this came out. The, the screenshots of obviously it's. Um... I'll I'd I'd just read it. This, so this morning, footage claiming to be of an under wraps Harry Potter project appeared online. The video looked professionally made, and now sources with knowledge of the project have confirmed to Eurogamer that the project is indeed real and currently in development. The footage first appeared on Reddit courtesy of poster Vape This Bro, who claimed he was shown the video as part of some market research. In his words, do you think a random internet stoner would have the skills and patience to create this video? I don't know, but anything is possible. <laughs> Uh, The video features sweeping vistas of Hogwarts from the Harry Potter books and films, uh, creatures which have debuted in subsequent Harry Potter spin-off movies, Fantastic Beasts, plus a character editor, third-person combat mechanics, and large set pieces. Warner Brothers has now removed footage from YouTube due to copyright claim, although mirrors of it are still available. Now, speaking
1: Uh, of fandoms and uh, people that enjoy a particular thing, um, yeah, yeah, I I will say that I tend to keep harry potter fans uh a significant yeah. distance from me
0: so like i'm a huge fan of the books and i, I like the films as well enough some better than others uh we don't need to go into that in, in this venue but um what i will say is i wouldn't call it one of the more toxic fandoms around but one of the more annoying in as much as a lot of people who are really into harry potter will constantly look to compare real life events to Harry Potter things and that is incredibly tedious because it's the same joke.
1: Over Which would and over also
0: again. include the creator of Harry Potter. Yeah, and it, well yeah, that's now thankfully I'm one of those people who ascribes to the thing that like author intent only matters a certain amount and like once your art is released into the world, it's no longer really yours anymore. Um, so I, I kind of have divorced the the world of Harry Potter from the the increasingly weird woman who wrote it. <laughs> um, what,
1: what is your um, what is your history and experience with Harry Potter games in general? Because I know that there were there was huh. more than one. I think uh, EA yeah. developed. Uh, Harry Potter mm-hmm. games back on the PlayStation. I want to say maybe PlayStation Two as well.
0: Yeah, so those were like the the licensed ones for the movie, weren't they?
1: I, as far as I'm aware,
0: yes. And I yeah, would so presume
1: that they were all varying degrees of average.
0: They were all real trash. Like um, the first couple of, I'll put it this way, the first couple of movies are well known for how bad the kid actors were. And thankfully the likes of Daniel Radcliffe and. Uh, emma watson and stuff turned into much better actors but it was kind of well known for at least the first two movies that the child actors were fucking pants uh and when i say that the the voice acting in the video games made them look like multi-time bafta winners i i do not say that lightly Mm. um the the voice acting in those early games is just utterly utterly dreadful um so they they were bad, and they were kind of like they were clearly just cash in games that not a lot of creativity was put into. Then you had uh, the Xbox 360 generation. There was a couple of Kinect Harry Potter games. I, I don't know if they were specifically designed for the Kinect or they just had Kinect functionality. Uh, a lot of people who were members of their community back then say that they're still the best quick look giant bomber ever produced, making Ryan Davis play all these games. <laughs> okay. Um, and I've I've seen a couple of clips, and there was a man who, boy, was he sad having to play those games, because <laughs> um, they were awful. But I will say, until this point, the high point of Harry Potter games is easily the Lego Harry Potter games. Um, before Lego games kind of got tedious, it was still a novelty to have kind of existing IP that we all love plugged into that familiar lego game formula um and it was good because it had the the lego game the traditional lego game wit of having a lot of it, it doesn't take itself too seriously and there's a lot of in jokes and it was clearly the people in 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 lead of the project were uh fans or at least very well versed in, in the, the potter verse uh but i've never i don't think i've ever actually technically owned a harry potter game um for the the chief reason that it is known that they are generally
1: shite. Apart ha- from- those Harry Potter games seem like the kind of games at the time that you would rent out from Blockbuster for the weekend. Uh,
0: yeah, and you'd never play again. That yeah. real kind of like middling to poor sort of game that you'd never spend a full amount on yourself. Uh, but I did own the... I, I, I didn't buy it, but I owned the, the Lego Harry Potter games. I got them as a free uh, add-on with my Vita when I bought it. That'll date me um it was like the the package i got had five different lego games um so yeah uh but i'd like the thing about this is right so it's weird because i think in terms of genre if you were going to do a good harry potter game open world rpg is probably where you'd go uh I, i think it would be a bit tired to do just the narrative of the harry potter films um so it seems like uh from everything all the details people are seeing here in the character creator scene it seems to be a, a completely new story in the harry potter universe or at the very least that kind of uh, shadow of mordor where the events are happening in parallel to events you already know of from the books
1: i mean i'd imagine um, the way that um people that want to experience this game would like to do it is to be able to have like their own you know them playing within this world um so uh, it's a poor comparison to make but a kind of stick of truth silent protagonist type uh character who you know just gets to experience this world you know i, I yeah. th- as as much as my understanding of harry potter is there's so much that can be done and explored and like even um the idea of just being in this class um for like a year or two and you know being assigned whatever um house uh, you're going to be in and, and everything yeah. that comes with that.
0: So so like I started thinking about like, you know, getting assigned to the houses as you said, sitting through the classes, and obviously, much like the Harry Potter films, in the backdrop of having to attend your classes and stuff, there actually is a wider narrative going on that will lead to a, a big kind of boss battle or a final confrontation or some such and I found myself going, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But then I thought about it a bit more, Mark, and I think the game I want in my head is Street Bully Foyal. with bonds. Bully, <laughs> Bully, Bully. Can Canus canum it as we call so it. So not Rocksteady,
1: like, but Rockstar.
0: Yeah, but that's basically like if they do an open world game where like going to your classes is part of it. It's basically magical Bully you know it wouldn't be a million miles off it it seems based on the color palette and the 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 screenshots that we can still see uh from it it, it's a bit more kind of like uh, i wouldn't say adult theme but at least it's going for a more kind of serious tone rather than silly so maybe not quite bully but you know what? what,
1: do you know what i bet this game will have i bet it will have its own version of gwent
0: Oh yeah, no, because there actually is stuff like that in Harry Potter. Oh, like is there, the oh they're, Harry they're they're absolutely well, going to like well, take down. there's stuff like um, I know there's card games and stuff that I'm not particularly like. I haven't read those books in a couple of years, but I know there's like card games and stuff. But then there's obviously Quidditch. You could do something with like that could be a mini game, uh, and that's a really fun. Like if you could get a good engine. For a sport like Quidditch, I think that could be a lot of fun if you oh. actually put some time into it. If they wanted, just... to, if
1: they wanted to, they could make that an online thing.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, they absolutely could. Uh, and then there's also like Wizards Chess and uh, and shit like that. Like, there's plenty of the the Harry Potter universe is so rich that there's plenty of stuff to do for side questing and and different <laughs> mechanics like that. Like you said, a, a kind of as similar to Gwent. I'm now I I'm see... now
1: seeing like the ultimate team packs from
0: FIFA, but with Quidditch. oh you know people would fucking pay for it if it was like if it was any good but anyway um yeah like as a fan i'm like i'm interested but i'm not like holy shit this wasn't something that because it's not i don't know i try to think like what's the main mechanic of this is it trying to pass your classes is it combat like what you know it it seems like something that could be trying to be so many different kinds of game at once and end up being not very good at any of them. Um, that would be a concern I would have. But I am I'm, I'm, I will be keeping track on this because I think Warner Brothers have a bit of a hit and miss uh, track record with IP. Um, they made a brilliant Lord of the Rings game in Shadow of Mordor and then ruined it with its sequel. Uh and they did what I think is a pretty severely underrated uh, Mad Max game. And I think people are gonna be talking a lot more about that game next year because um Avalanche that the studio is it Avalanche, I can't remember. Whatever the studio that worked a lot on Mad Max is, they're one of the studios that's partnered in with Bethesda on Rage Two. Ah, and okay. So the Car Combat engine that is so, so fucking good in Mad Max. It looks like, just from the clips of Rage 2, it looks like they, they have brought their know-how to to Rage 2. And they're combining that with id have worked on that game as well. So if id are handling the shooting and the people who did Mad Max are handling the car physics, I think Rage 2 is going to be a bit of a fucking belter next year. <laughs> it,
1: it does sound like they've taken everything that was a 7, seven out of 10 about that game and tweaked it to uh, mm-hmm. improve on that significantly. Um, yeah, and av-
0: added Andrew WK as well. Oh <laughs> well, yeah,
1: that as well, which is all you need really for a, a better experience. But yeah, I you know my my Twitter feed went mad and uh, everyone was excited about it. And um, you know, it's I'm not surprised that it's a thing. Um, I am surprised that it's taken this long after the the films have finished and the books are finished for uh, something to, like this to come along. But I mean, considering the license that that kind of thing will take years just from a, a, a legal perspective to get sorted out. So, um, yeah, I, it's, it's obviously one of the bigger pieces of news this week, so it had to be addressed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, t- t- I'll put it in under uh, tentatively excited. Um, I hope they can pull it off, but I wouldn't be throwing down my money immediately if pre orders came up tomorrow. I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> Over to some police department news, Mark. Uh, Seattle PD has introduced a system to prevent swatting. So for those of you who don't know, swatting is this uh, thing that has started happening uh, in recent years with online gaming, where people will call police to the house of somebody they're playing online. Um, I'll read from the article here because this did have very serious consequences not too long ago. Uh, It's been around for a while, but the problem with swatting, the practice of deliberately calling police to someone's house has only grown in recent years. It's a harassment tactic which people have used to target streamers in the hope they'll be arrested midstream. Although some consider it a prank, the reality is much more serious, particularly if you live in America where most police carry firearms. Only last year, Call of Duty streamer Andrew Finch was shot and killed due to a hoax call on his house in which the caller claimed that Finch had killed his father and was holding hostages. Swatting is very much a consequence of the information age we find ourselves in. The stream swatting phenomenon in particular has only been made possible due to new broadcast technology which didn't exist a mere 10 years ago. It's somewhat unsurprising that the police have been left playing catch-up, until now that is. In what appears to be the first police anti-swatting initiative, the Seattle Police Department has introduced a system to protect members of the tech industry video game industry and or the online broadcasting community from swatting attempts. The system, called the Rave Facility, which I think I had a very messy night at once, uh, allows streamers to register themselves on a police database if they consider themselves a potential target for swatting. If an emergency call is made to their address, the call taker will share this information with responding officers. The Seattle Police Department states nothing about this solution is designed to minimize or slow emergency services, and in theory, it should reduce the likelihood of Innocent streamers being shot, America, huh? Uh, what do you think about this, Mark? It's it's a sorry state of affairs that it has to come to this. It's
1: it's a uh, resolution to a problem that shouldn't exist, but only exists because yes, America, uh, and
0: is because America and because the
1: internet. Well, yeah, it's it's a poisonous combination of the two. Um, We live in the age of technology and uh, being online and as a result you will see initiatives like this from uh, police departments because it just, you know, it's going to have to be done because uh, teenagers are fucking morons and you're going to see this kind of thing where, and as we have seen, uh, streamers being shot innocently because of, of stuff like this um it's it's a shame that it has to exist but uh you know it's it's good that something is at least being done about it um and you know you could look at it from both sides but it sucks that it does exist but good that it's it's happening um and it's just it's another thing that uh just yeah you you kind of hold america up to a light at the moment and you're just like what in the fuck are you guys doing you know
0: Like you said, it's it's a shame that it has to exist, but I'm glad they figured out some sort of solution. But it's also, I mean, this is a
1: completely type of topic that isn't really uh, applicable to this show, but you would think that more the issue here should be, you know, if you have uh, an emergency response unit who just can't wait to fucking fire the trigger at the first sign Uh of like activity, surely that that there should be the thing that should be addressed. Um, the correct. Uh,
0: I mean, yeah, you you, you would think, but like again, like you said, this is probably not the venue to go into the the great money. Uh, am
1: I being mad here? Am, I, am of... I being mad with
0: this this
1: thing that I'm presenting to you here? I, just, I don't know. Yeah, just... yeah
0: I, I know it's it's fucking weird. Let, let's just move on from that to PlayStation Experience. Uh, which has been a kind of, I think for three, the past three years, they've been doing this December event, which is like a little E3 press conference uh, with kind of like some fan events going on around it and some live podcasts and the like. Um, Sony have announced that they're not doing it this year. Um, Now, I would suspect that part of that comes down to they've pretty much, they pretty much blew their wad in terms of announcements of uh, first party games At E3 this year, they pretty much showed everything there that is in progress and pretty much showed everything that's done so far on them. I don't think they really have anything else to offer. So you kind of go, is it really worth having PlayStation experience if we're just going to be talking about third-party and indie games that doesn't serve our agenda as much, especially when PlayStation are in the comfortable position of first place in this generation's console wars. So they cancelled it, which has bummed a couple of people out um we had kind of suspected that maybe they wouldn't because it had gone so long without hearing about it but but before i get into the 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 last minute savior of psx because there's going to be a psx of a sort going on um mark what do you what do you take what's your take on this news
1: i'm kind of surprised because not the Sony at E3 this year was was totally underwhelming, but you yeah. could come away from it thinking that okay, they're they're leaving some stuff off the table here because they're gonna use um the, the PlayStation Experience event because um they've all been pretty notable, pretty worthwhile. Like they could have, if they wanted to, just simply have used um their PSX event for say uh Death Stranding, you know, if they wanted to say, right, okay. here's, here's gameplay footage, here's just, this is all that PSX will be this year. And I don't think yeah. anyone would complain at all See, about I,
0: that. I, I wonder, did they look at it and go, well, look, our slate is a little bare going into 2019. They probably don't even know which first party games that they think will be 2019 will actually hit 2019. Yeah. And the other part of it is, what else has happened in December? The Keleys The Video Game Awards, eh, where yeah. they they campaign hard to get as many trailers as they can so maybe sony are thinking we can save ourselves an awful lot of money and get just as much press if we just hand them over whatever trailer we might have by december
1: yeah i think that that does come into it that clearly um they don't have enough content there and obviously death stranding is whatever it is at the moment so uh it it is better just to say right we're not going to do one this year then attempt to do a conference with just scraps of of content. Yeah. Uh, it's the smart thing to do, um, and yeah. it's it probably is a clear admission that okay, we don't have that much at the moment, but it's not an
0: actual admission that we don't
1: have a lot at the moment. So,
0: so with with that announcement, in stepped and maybe an unlikely hero for people that were hoping for a uh, end of year E three press conference. Greg Miller of kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, put out a tweet that knowing Greg was probably a little bit a joke, a little bit testing the waters. He said this on Twitter uh, last week on the 28th. He said, Sean Layden has confirmed on the PlayStation blogcast that there's no PSX this year. So kind of funny will fill the void and hold a press conference the Saturday after the game awards. Devs, publishers, you want to be part of the kind of funny games showcase on 12th, eight, hit me up. So he left that tweet out there for a few hours. And I I don't think he was expecting the response he got because he came in with a subsequent tweet later on that apparently his inbox just got crammed with developers big and small uh, throughout the video game industry that were like, fuck yeah, we'll cut a trailer for you. Yeah, Because I suppose if you think about it, so like Keely gets all this, you know, gets all these trailers and cool shit like that because Keely has been in the industry for so long, in around the industry, and he's fostered a lot of relationships. Like we all know him and Kojima are our best buddies and you know nintendo liked to work with him and he had that cachet from doing the the game awards on spike tv for a few years before it became this online deal um but as well like greg miller has been in the industry for about 10 years now and like he's worked with developers big and small and he's got his own platform now and he um yeah it it he, he's kind of put himself into this role of like the uh, like like a secondary Keely um where like enough developers like him and know that he's got this big audience sitting there on like his the the kind of funny games and kind of funny channels do insane numbers for them uh, and they're one of the they're they're routinely among the top ten patreon um, subscribed to accounts um, every time I look at that Triad website. So he's basically found himself in the position now where he's just going to have his own. Finally, be be Jackie T, uh, Jack Trenton, and do his his own one more thing and his own like big long press conference of stuff. He had a screenshot of like his his uh, email inbox, which was just email after email with subject line kind of funny games showcase. So I I don't know about you Mark but I'm I'm pretty hyped about this idea of like um a video game press conference dealy hosted by a personality I quite enjoy but also kind of unmoored from being about one particular platform holder or one particular studio uh or one particular publisher or um much as I enjoy for the the most part for what it is that the Keely awards uh a lot of that is beholden to, hey, this segment is sponsored by Domino's, you know, that kind yeah, of stuff.
1: I, I think that's the, the main thing is that this would be something that would be less, uh, you know, kind of sponsorship slash ad slash corporate driven. And instead, yeah. it's just here's a guy who loves playing video games and here's a platform for developers just to show their stuff um, it, that has a more much more organic grassroots kind of vibe to it
0: this is a guy who in the like the three or six months building up to uh spider-man coming out developed a character on his streams called shirtless spider-man which was just him with no top on in a spider-man mask running on screen and being obnoxious uh and he did that and it got such a kind of like it became such a meme in certain circles that they pu- insomniac put shirtless spider-man in the game excellent there's a there's a Halloween party mark that you will when you play it. I won't say anything else about the, the the scene. But there's a Halloween party where there's a bunch of people dressed up, and if you look around, you'll see Greg Miller shirtless Spider Man. It's fucking weird, but yeah, I'm excited to see that um, that press conference come. Um, I, I, I don't know what to expect from it. but Will it all be smaller indie games, or how how big a kind of name? It, it'll be an interesting. It will be interesting to see what big developers, if any, will bite on this. Um, Because, hey, it's free exposure at the end of the day. So, you know, you'd think, hey, if we have a trailer ready, we'll we'll send it this guy's way. But anyway, moving on. Mark, talk to me. Rocket League. Uh, Yeah, so... It's a cross-platform play, but it might take a while. I figured that
1: we would hear something, whether it was from Uh, psionics or just someone having this conversation uh, and you know I I brought this up last week uh, so obviously Sony have come out and said yeah okay cool Fortnite will be cross-play and uh, people that play on PlayStation will be able to play against people on Xbox switch mobile whatever and my immediate response was well you know Rocket League when Um, uh, in a reddit post Uh, Sonic CEO Dave Hagewood said that Rocket League has been built as a cross-platform game from the very beginning, uh, alluding to the Fortnite cross-play news. The CEO expressed delight, Uh, he could now acknowledge that all the major consoles are making progress towards a truly all-platform cross-platform play experience. Uh, Despite the overwhelming positivity of the statement, it sounds like full console cross-play may still take some time to arrive in Rocket League. Uh, According to Hagewood, cross-platform play is not something Sinex and Rocket League can do on its own. The CEO added that implementing cross-play takes the substantial cooperation and coordination of many partners, most notably the platform holders themselves. For this reason, Hagewood advised players, have some patience as Sinex works to fulfill its vision of a truly unified Rocket League community. Um, Well, for a start, asking for uh, patience from uh, gamers is uh, a noble... Uh, request, but uh, yeah, Maybe as well just shout into a hole. Pretty much, but yeah, I I would imagine you know I'm not a developer, but I would imagine the uh, the the detail and and everything that goes into making a game cross platform is you know I can't imagine it's a very simple task, and you know it's one thing. Being uh, a company the size of Epic, but you know, Cyanix is still, I think, Cyanix is a relatively small team. So you know, asking them to kind of build all of this for something that wasn't what was, you know, uh, there in the the groundworks of its development at the time, at the start, um, you know, I can see that being a task, and maybe they've reached out to, to Epic or whoever else to have these cross-platform features to figure out exactly how this can be done. Um, but I don't think it's going to be an overnight thing. But it's it's cool that they've clearly you know addressed this because I'm sure I'm not the only one that's gone hey Rocket League when because um, it is available on the the three main platforms now so um, and and Steam and PC as well so it, yeah it it I'm sure they've been bombarded with questions about this so it's it's better to just kind of come out now and say hey we know you want it we want to do it but it's not going to happen overnight so fuck off and leave us alone while we
0: figure this out yeah I, I i get it like i bet they're real fucked off in one way that they had to develop this game from the ground up under the understanding that they couldn't have cross-platform play and now a couple of years after the game launched sony have finally gone yeah all right so now they have to go back and basically reverse engineer the possibly whole i mean
1: who knows like how uh how it comes to developing the network code it could be something that isn't that difficult it could you know who knows but yeah i can see where you're coming from but i mean you think about this from a couple of years ago like say a year ago think of the games out there that have any kind of cross-platform functionality like the one i can think of off the top of my head was portal 2 uh between uh, Sony steam and, and playstation yeah but it's not exactly it's it's very much the not the norm so um you know i'm i'm sure they're looking at this and, and i'm sure developers now are looking ahead to think about their uh, their game that they have that has online features and how they can possibly
0: uh, implement cross platform yeah um m- moving on now uh to fifa news my m- oh, right right in my kind of corner right in my wheelhouse uh, the FIFA 19 launch physical sales are down at 25% on, on FIFA 18. Uh, I'll, I'll read what this Eurogamer article says and I'll kind of give my takes on that because I've been thinking about this a little bit. Um, FIFA 19 physical launch sales are down 25% in the UK. Uh, gamesindustry.biz reports FIFA 19 is the biggest UK video game of 2018 after going on the sale last week as expected, but physical launch sales are down by a quarter versus FIFA 18. According to the site, 64% of the sales were for the PlayStation 4 version, 35% Xbox One, leaving just 1% for Nintendo Switch. Uh, sales of the legacy version of the game were too low to register. That's the PS3 and Xbox 360 SKUs. Uh, it's worth contextualizing this dark sales drop each year and more and more people turn to download rather than to buy discs. So physical sales are expected to decline. In fact, EA encourages the shift, selling limited early access, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I think this is a combination of two things, Mark. Um, I I think there's the natural trend and tendency towards this digital future. More and more people just year on year will have access to the the kind of speeds of internet that that suit uh, downloading these kind of big games. Uh, The other thing I think is is kind of like this article says. It's to do with the way EA sell FIFA. Uh, The early access through the Origin platform is, is one way. Uh, Another way is this, they have, if you pre-order one of the special editions of FIFA 19 through FIFA 18 on your digital store, they give you a 10% discount every year. This is the second year they've done that, so I imagine that contributes. And then this year, for the first time, they offered for the... uh, the, the two special editions, so the standard edition came out on the Friday of last week, uh, as is normal, but if you had the, the, the version that's I think a 10 or more expensive, and then the super special version, which is like 25 quid more expensive, um, you got to have it on the Tuesday and because not a lot of places do midnight openings anymore i imagine a lot of people who wanted to play that game early just got it digital to play it safe so that they would be able to play it early and be able to play it at midnight rather than wait the following day um especially for a game where so much of its community play the game so routinely online as opposed to offline uh i none of this really surprises me um but I, I, I'm kind of glad in a way to see that more and more people are getting the access to internet that can sustain a download this size.
1: Yeah, it's just, uh, we, we've had this discussion before, I think, like every year with FIFA and other games as well, and it's it's nothing that hasn't been um, discussed before, that uh, obviously games are going the way of digital sales. Um, and, I mean, you're a gamer discuss about Fortnite as well and that there is a a, a a sizable portion of the fifa and Fortnite audience that are the same audience so um how much of that is an actual thing and how much of that has actually played into this um is is harder to uh quantify well i mean it's impossible to quantify digital sales because obviously we don't have access to those numbers um mm-hmm. but uh but, you know, I, I wonder
0: if that is a factor at all. Because, obviously, Fortnite yeah. is free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I, I do wonder to myself, because of how many more people play it online uh, than offline, if we will get to a point where FIFA becomes free to play Um and I don't know, like, EA is a really weird company to sit down and try and figure out what the fuck they're going to do next, Uh because I don't think we would have backed EA last year when all this shit was going down with microtransactions and loot boxes. I, I think of all the possible outcomes, we had never expected that they would actually pull back from the loot boxing, Uh which they kind of, they haven't fully pulled back from it, but they've definitely they didn't double down like I would have necessarily expected like they have done in the past with things to try and ride the storm like you remember how they were the ones that were most reluctant to get rid of uh, online passes when they were a thing yeah I mean this was a hell of a storm yeah yeah it it definitely was um, so one would think maybe EA like that that might be something they look at in the future considering how much ungodly amount of money they make on Ultimate Team uh, that they might expand even if they break out Ultimate Team into a free-to-play event. Um we'll just have to see how sales go year on year I guess yeah pretty much uh, moving on, we got three new games on the uh, the sort of NES emulator built into the Switch that comes with Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> have you dicked around with this at all? The, uh, no, the, I, I don't not these particular, particular games, but the the online service. I, I don't
1: have the the online Switch. I've um, yeah, I I haven't uh, purchased it yet.
0: Yeah, so I'm on the trial, and I will say, even <laughs> though like I have the the NES Classic, and if I ever wanted to play NES games, which I don't often have the 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 inclination to do i i would sooner fire up that because i have the more authentic experience with the controllers but uh i will say like the ui of the 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 nes system uh on the switch is pretty cool um and being able to like suspend games nes games and come back to them and be able to use one joy-con for player one second joy-con for player two is pretty cool um but it's not really, like, if I'm keeping the service, it's because I want to play, like, Splatoon. It's not because I want to play NES games. I'd like SNES games, please, if yeah. possible. But <laughs> whatevs uh three more nes games will join the nintendo switch online subscription service next week on the 10th of october paid up members will be able to play nes open tournament golf puzzle games solomon's key and arcade sports Title super dodgeball in addition to the 20 retro classics already available it'll be interesting to see mark because i don't really have any great affection for any of these three games It will be interesting to see if they add games at a similar rate like every month we'll add two or three new games
1: I mean, I think they have to, because like these games here, for me personally, and I'd imagine the case for for others, it's the kind of thing you're going to pick up for 10 minutes and go, huh, this is what that is, and then never touch it again.
0: Yeah yeah that's definitely like that's the vibe i got off the I, i'm thankful that my mindset going into getting the the, the nes classic was this would looked like a cool little ornament for my nerd library and i wasn't like super hyped to play loads of old nes games now i was super hyped to play loads of snes games when the snes classic came out and i was very happy to do so but uh not so much with, with the nes um because they are very much uh, they they Those games are dated a lot more than the SNES games when you go back to them, that's for sure. Uh, This is an interesting one that you threw in here, Mark. First on Discord launches with seven games. Discord has now detailed the first wave of games which will debut for PC via its own store, each with an exclusivity period typically lasting 90 days. The range dubbed First on Discord will roll out this autumn with seven titles. Perhaps most most notable in the lineup is Viking Road-like Bad North, already available on Switch. Here's the full list. Last year, the nightmare, sinner, sacrifice for redemption, minion masters, bad north, at Sundown, mad machines, and king of the hat. Mark, I'm all for kind of breaking up monopolies. Steam is the like it is the juggernaut of game distribution on PC. Um, what do you think about Discord of all people trying to get their hat in the ring here on this? Like, I would be inclined to think that the the horse has already bolted. I don't think anyone is getting really too big a market share uh compared to Steam. We I, I think the the people that have the best chance of getting even mind share on the market are the likes of Itchio, who you know, give away a bunch of free games, uh Gog, who specialize in, in, in older games, that kind of finding that niche rather than trying to come up with a competing platform. But uh what do you make of this are any of these games standing out to you or just kind of what do you think of it as a whole so
1: in terms of the games that are available not really but it is interesting because instead of being this new games platform uh service that is available it is this is a platform that has been available for a while now and has a god how many I can't even remember how many um people actively actually you know what, let me let me type how many people use Discord? Uh, about nineteen million people use it every day, and as many as eight point two million people have used it at the same time. And that those figures are only you know going to increase uh, month on month, year on year. So it's better you know if you have the install base to begin with, um, then now being in a position to say, hey, okay, now we're going to uh, start selling games. Uh, it, yeah. it gives them a pretty good platform to, you know, actually make this a viable service that is, is an alternative to uh, Steam. Now, as you mentioned, with the likes of Itch.io, uh, which is a very kind of niche uh, indie uh, type service and all the likes of gog which are yeah uh, older games uh, it will be interesting to see if discord does take one of these routes or it just goes with the hey we have a large install base so we'll just put whatever we can on here um and i guess developers will look and see if there is any, you know any kind of penetration they can get there because i mean if you're on steam like there's no need to be on anything else so it's going to be, do Discord go actively after developers to say, hey, you should have this, your game on our service, which I can't imagine many uh, developers want to, would want to just kind of limit themselves to Discord. So I'd imagine it will be hmm. developers who can't, for some reason, get on, get their game on Steam. I don't know, it's going to be yeah. interesting to see
0: what this the once, games are to get rolled I- out. Ones that can't get on Steam or ones that the financial incentive that Discord are offering is genuinely like a life-changing amount of money, you know, that they're that small a studio. Yeah, because Um, to think
1: about it, like, to not be able to get onto Steam is usually a sign that your game is pretty piss poor.
0: (laughs) Not piss poor, like, not necessarily even piss poor, but, like, staggeringly racist. All that, yes. <laughs> you know, because I've seen a lot of games that really shouldn't be on Switch that could barely even be described as games, and yet there they are. Yeah. Um, I mean, that goes, I, that goes I, across that. I will urge anybody who has... Well. Uh, anybody who has a half hour to kill, look up the, the infamous Jim Sterling video uh, detailing his uh, his battle with digital homicide. <laughs> Just for how bad games on Steam can get and how genuinely insane some of the people making them are uh um, yeah this next one mark is fucking if you asked me to pick what video game would be optioned for a movie dance dance revolution is not the one i necessarily would have picked i mean uh, babe, in- we're getting
1: a tetris film so i mean pretty much <laughs> after that all bets are off
0: Now, I was trying to think before we got into It's like, how would a dancing simulator make a good movie? And I have the pitch for you, Mark. I'm listening. You ready? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm listening. I would absolutely pay money for a feature-length documentary about the people that Ubisoft find to do their Just Dance demos at E3. (laughs) Uh And I I wanted to follow the people who go out and find the weirdos... I wanted to follow the weirdos themselves. I wanted to go to the room where they have to ingest large amounts of cocaine before they go on stage. Uh I I particularly want to go with the costume designers. I want to, I want a little arc with them where they go, "Yeah, do you know what new rave sub zero is what I'm making this costume to look like?" Or, "You know what? We're going to have a dancing panda and some trumpets." Yeah, that's the kind of if we're going to go any sort of dancing simulator into a movie, that's the way I want to go. I mean, really, don't think that's the way this is going.
1: That's simply just an afternoon in Montreal with um, a ton of LSD and a few hours to kill.
0: Like that's pretty good. Well, I mean, you see the results every year, and it's always a good time. (laughs) So, it's been a pretty big couple of weeks for Dance Dance Revolution. Not only did the game recently celebrate its 20th birthday, but it seems the game is due to be further immortalized with a film. Not sure how I feel about this. Deadline reports, the project will explore a world on the brink of destruction where the only hope is to unite through the universal language of dance. Now, I'll tell you what, Mark. That is a pretty good tagline. I
1: just like the idea that... Konami has given the film project its blessing, which really means yep. Konami were probably given a large sum of money and went, "Yep, go fucking go for it."
0: Uh huh. Yeah, I like. I, it seems like the punchline to a, like a joke you would tell in primary school is like, "How did I explain this? I explained it through interpretive dance." How did I save the world? I, I saved it with the universal language of dance. Look, I, I'll probably see this movie. I mean, I would not, rather take I'm, I'm this. I'm gonna lie.
1: I would rather take this over a subpar Michael Fassbender-led Assassin's Creed film.
0: I was gonna say I'd take this a hundred times over a new Uwe Boll film.
1: All that as well. Did uh, you ever but... see the the Prince of Persia film? Uh, no. Yeah, that was average uh, as well. Mm,
0: yeah. Indeed. Um, Speaking of yeah.
1: games that had well, movie adaptations.
0: Mark, I'm going to sit back because this seems like you. You put this in as our and finally bit of news this week.
1: Ahem. So the rights to Street Fighter, the movie, the game, and 64 other abandoned, acclaimed titles have been snapped up. That's right, a video game company has snapped up the rights to about 65 full-abandoned acclaimed games for one million dollars. Think about having a million dollars and what you could do with that and deciding, I know, I'm going to buy Street Fighter the movie, the game. A Canadian company, Liquid Media, bought the rights to the titles from fellow Canadian company, Throwback Entertainment, which itself bought the rights from Acclaim Entertainment, a video game publisher that went bust in 2004. Uh, the list of games provided to GeekWire is a real mixed bag, uh, included uh, the 1996 PC port of Bubble Bubble, uh, as is Wetrix, uh, as, so, as well as uh, some bad NBA Jam games, and the video game based on Street Fighter the movie. It's worth pointing out, Liquid does not own the rights to the Bubble Bubble franchise, or obviously the Street Fighter franchise, rather it owns the rights to the specific stock, keep- stock keeping units once published by Acclaim. Uh, Street Fighter the movie the game was developed by Capcom and released by Acclaim in 1995 uh, it's based on the now Eurogamer here says awful live action film I would say inspired live action film uh, that came out the year before uh, and the game itself is fucking atrocious because it's basically the, the great the great
0: Raul Julia
1: yeah I, in of what M. Bison it, is, it just can only be described as a heroic performance as M. Bison indeed um, while well, the man was dying I know like right? literally dying yeah um, it's the, the, the game uh, the thing is it's a Street Fighter game but it acts like a Mortal Kombat game so anyway uh, there's no word yet on what Liquid plans to do with these games but in its press release it gushes about the current infatuation with retro games which really makes me feel like they've fucking missed the point by a, a significant mile
0: also, several years because it's not a current fascination with retro games. That's been no. a thing like pretty much this whole generation and no. a little bit last generation. Uh,
1: and they're also they highlight the success of Nintendo's mini consoles and Sony's upcoming PlayStation Classic, which again I feel like they've missed the point by some considerable distance. <laughs> um, yeah. So the obvious question is: Will we see an acclaimed mini? Uh, perhaps not. Um, the obvious uh, thing we may see are remasters, but again, like I'm, I'm really not sure about some of these games getting remastered. Uh, I'm actually gonna see uh, the the full list of games to see what is actually in here, because uh, if it's a claim, I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see. So, see what we've got in here. Uh, so we've got a bunch of All Star Baseball games, Ants Racing, uh, Blast Lacrosse. Which is yeah. Well,
0: the cross is a blast.
1: Yeah, uh, a bunch of Buster moves. Oh, Buster moves? Yeah, sure. George Foreman's KO boxing quirk NFL. There's NFL quarterback 1996, 1997, 1998. There's a bunch of sports games in here. Striker, virtual open tennis wet tricks now i want to say that acclaim published do you remember um wwf attitude um yeah that was Acclaim. and ecw that the two like versions of that yeah i'm pretty sure they were acclaimed so i don't know why they're not in yeah. here but yeah basically it's a whole bunch of sports games and a couple of other random games but there's, there's nothing in here uh that is making any kind of coin so i'm it's an interesting did, acquisition uh...
0: WWF Warzone was also yes, a um, yes. That, that, joint was, joint.
1: that was the other one I was thinking of that I couldn't remember. Yeah, so but Attitude is the one I played. We'll see what comes from
0: that, but I would be stunned if it's all that much. Indeed. Right, that's the end of our news for this week. Uh, it's time to move to the Linked Cast Book Club, that special feature we have every week on the program, where we play, or where we talk about a game that you should have played if you didn't already, uh, and should play again if it's been a while. This week, we're not going back very far, uh, only a couple of years, because we've been talking recently about the new Spider-Man game uh, on PS4, which I recently platinumed as we talked about earlier, um, and we talked about where Spider-Man games were. Uh, leading up to that on a recent edition of the program but what i want to talk about today is where the studio that made spider-man was uh, and how they got to spider-man and i think the immediate game we go to is the one they developed right before spider-man let's talk this week about sunset overdrive Sunset Overdrive is an action-adventure third-person shooter video game developed by Insomniac Games and published by Microsoft Studios for the Xbox One. It was announced at the E3 of 2013 and released worldwide in October 2014. The game is set in 2027 in a fictional metropolis called Sunset City. The player controls an employee of Fizco who has to fight off the OD, short for overcharged drinkers, humans who have turned into mutants after drinking Fizco's energy drink beverage. In the dystopian Sunset City, the player character can wall run, use zip lines, and grind walls to safely navigate through it with a large arsenal of weapons to use. The game also has a cooperative multiplayer mode called Chaos Squad, um, which encourages players to compete in a series of missions with seven players. As the game puts emphasis on momentum, the game does not feature any cover system whatsoever right Mark uh, so insomniac games to give people before we get into the specifics of sunset overdrive to give you a, an overview of uh, the, the history of uh, insomniac insomniac were a what we'd call a second party studio they they weren't one of the completely owned and operated by Sony. Studios, but they were a studio that made games exclusively for Sony platforms right up until this game. Um, They started off with Disruptor and then immediately became a a very renowned uh, developer because they are responsible for the Spyro the Dragon trilogy. Spyro, Spyro 2, Ripto's Rage, and Spyro Year of the Dragon on the PS1. Uh, going into the PlayStation 2 as if there w- that wasn't enough of a legacy, Mark, they developed Ratchet and Clank for the PlayStation 2. Uh, the original Ratchet and Clank, Ratchet and Clank Going Commando, Ratchet and Clank Up Your Arsenal, which still makes me laugh, and Ratchet Deadlocked. Uh, the PS3, they did some more Ratchet and Clanks, uh, Ratchet and Clank All for One, Ratchet and Clank at Crack in Time quest for booty tools of destruction but the game they kind of uh, pioneered on on the playstation 3 platform was resistance uh starting off with resistance fall of man which was that a launch game or just a launch window game do you recall oh, God, i can't remember um it was definitely around launch because it was already out by the time i got my ps3 um da, 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 da. i'm trying to figure it out yeah it came out in 2006 so it definitely launched year anyway if not one of the launch lineup um i, I don't know about you mark i i liked resistance the first one i thought resistance 2 was a bit mm, uh, and thought resistance 3 was actually quite underrated were you a resistance guy did you play any of them
1: never never a series that i actually got round to uh just just the series that completely passed me by
0: yeah. So after they kind of burned out on resistance games, and Sony are kind of, Sony are kind of funny in the way that they have this big network of developers they work with, and they seem to have good relations a lot of the times. But uh, when they hit upon something that works, they like more of that. So we've heard in the past about how kind of. It took a lot for Naughty Dog to shake off Crash and and be trusted with something else. And then in turn, it took them a lot to shake off Uncharted and be trusted with something else. And each time, obviously you think about move from Crash to Uncharted and you move from Uncharted to Last of Us, and like they really required something that was just massively mind-blowing to be allowed to kind of leave that old ip behind and do something new and there's a a no-clip documentary that daniel dwyer did on gorilla games which is really fascinating uh which talks about how just Gorilla Games were completely done making Kill Zone games. It was killing them that they couldn't do anything else. Not that they hated Kill Zone, but you know, Mark, like like with any job, if the only thing you're being asked to do is just the same thing incredibly repetitively, you're going to go crazy. Um, and, and that's the problem with a lot of studios who end up getting sunk into this kind of serialized this this franchise um, that you never do anything else. You, you can experience a little bit of burnout. So after this long association with, with PlayStation, um, the the only game they had made for a Microsoft platform is uh, they had released Fuse on, on both PlayStation and Xbox, uh, PS3 and Xbox 360. And then they started in development, they, they kind of said to Sony, hey, look, um, we're not going to be exclusive to you anymore. We're not just dancing with you anymore. And the next project we're going to do is going to be an an Xbox exclusive uh, with Microsoft Studios Publishing. And that game was Sunset Overdrive. And I think I I said at the time this game out, because this was one of the very early games I was playing when we started doing this show some 125 episodes ago, Mark. Um, And at the time, I think I described it as somewhere in between like a jet set radio uh, an infamous and a tony hawk game uh in terms of its its sensibilities and, and its mechanics and you played a little bit of this as well didn't you
1: i remember playing a little bit with with you yeah uh, i remember you just kind of sit me down and was like here this is what xbox one is here is a game for it enjoy
0: yeah so this was literally the when i saw footage of this game and i saw just this incredibly bright, vibrant, fun looking game that scratched an itch I had not had scratched in many, many years it, it made me very, very intrigued to the point where this is what sold the Xbox One to me um, this is why I bought it, I really, really really wanted to play Sunset Overdrive and I, I was for the most part not disappointed, there's one particular type of mission and I think that did kind of let me down a little, but we'll get into that in a, in a while and um, and if you play Sunset Overdrive, uh, it doesn't take long for you to see why this was the studio that got Spider-Man uh, for Sony. Uh, some of the 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 kind of the the, the attitude and the off the wall humor and the writing in Sunset Overdrive is very much at home in the kind of smart-ass Peter Parker sort of characterization that people enjoy in in the comic books and uh, in, in the cartoons. So there's that, but the, the actual world traversal in Sunset Overdrive is what kept me coming back after the initial, it, it pulling me in with the colours and the, the humour and the, the style. Um, and the game very much, much as Spider-Man PS4 kind of does, not as, not as, they're not as harsh about it, but definitely in Sunset Overdrive they are, and that's the idea that you should never stop moving. Um, in Spider-Man, they've kind of, they, they've they fashioned it in ways for you to like take a breath and think about your next move. But in Sunset Overdrive, it is, it is legit. Like don't stop moving, keep going, keep finding rails to grind on. And I think that would have gotten incredibly, incredibly annoying had they not really done a hell of a good job uh, figuring out smooth ways to transition between grinding on a rail and wall riding and just kind of to get across the world a bit quicker to make a lot of these games and Insomniac did it again with Spider-Man a lot of these games falter on either making it annoyingly difficult to traverse the world or making it just look not great and In both Sunset Overdrive and Spider-Man, you can look like you're doing these insane tricks and bouncing about the place with a high level of skill when you're really just manipulating a a couple of buttons. Um, I really, really like how this game felt to play, how, how cool you felt when you were firing off weapons, as you were spinning around, as you were hanging off on your crowbar or going above, grinding the rail or grinding a rail down on the ground or bouncing between cars, there are so many different ways to kind of get around your map and, and spread out your enemies and destroy them. One of the things I really liked, as I mentioned at the start, is the style, not just the color palette, but these ideas that in a very comic book sort of way uh certain weapons uh with with kind of elemental charges or explosion effects or things like that will say for example you throw a projectile and it explodes you will see the giant boom as as if it's something from a comic erupt from the top of the mushroom cloud coming out of the projectile which is something that you would think you might tire of quickly but i I certainly didn't as someone who is a big fan of, of the comics i think uh, one of the ways in which, apart from obviously the grinding on rails and such, that it reminds me of Tony Hawk and of Jet Set Radio is the soundtrack. Uh, I, I, As a man who is, is quite the fan of the Tony Hawk franchise, Mark, you, you can attest to how important a soundtrack to these kind of games are, can't you? Oh,
1: for, the, for a game like this, uh, it's absolutely essential. Uh, you need something that has that energy um, that just fits the tone of the game. Uh, and yeah if you get that wrong then you you lose half the experience of what that kind
0: of game is yeah absolutely i i think that um i wouldn't put this on a par necessarily with tony hawk where i would actually go on spotify find a playlist of songs from tony hawk and i'm immediately transported back in the day to when that kind of music was all around the place uh, and people were uh, were wasting many hours trying to perfect tricks on uh, with, with young hony talk but it does have that kind of relentless kind of beat to it that makes you want to keep going keep going faster keep battling and it doesn't get it doesn't get too repetitive it doesn't kind of bore you it it was never really. We talked about it earlier in the show. It was never really a game where, as like, okay, turn down the volume and put on a podcast. Now, uh, I, I quite enjoyed how the the rhythm of the soundtrack to the game really got me into a kind of rhythm with my combat, and it, it helped with that, which I think is a really unheralded part of good sound design in a game. It is when the you're kind of absent-minded toe-tapping to the beat is actually helping you uh, navigate the game on a mechanical level. Uh, where do I want to go next? Uh, maybe I'll talk about the downside. Uh, so I really love, like I said, the weapon designs. I, I really like the some of the RPG elements, the things you can build out and level up your character. Enjoy that. I enjoy the customization uh maybe not enough options and customization for me there there are kind of just a bunch of different presets you unlock some more you can buy some more as the game goes on but i think there was never quite just for me like I, i if you're gonna have a character creator and a customization option for your character. I want to go the whole hog. I'm spoiled by the likes of a saint's Row that allow you to do all sorts of wild and fucking kooky things to your character. But I suppose I get with the way the game works. You don't want to fuck with the kind of dimensions of a character too much. Um, but the thing I really didn't like about it that comes off all that is there are certain points in the game where you, you reach a level of progress where you have to go back to this one area or your buddy now, I'm sorry, I haven't played the game in a while, so I can't remember the exact character, but, um, there's a character you basically go to with a bunch of ingredients and he will, will cook up this big upgrade for you. Uh, but while you do the upgrade, you have to do, uh, essentially the same tower defense mission over and over again. Um, and every time it gets harder or the clock gets shorter or something like that. Now, now, Mark, I'm not a huge fan of tower defense Um, at the best of times. And, I, you know, there are some clever booby traps and such in this game that, if strategically employed, can can help you a little bit. But I think when it's this very particular type of um, almost side mission uh, this tower defense. I don't like being forced to do that. But I know uh, a lot of people have this the, the, in Spider-Man they kind of do it as well, not with tower defense but with stealth missions. There's a very select handful of missions where you have to do a bit of stealth and I hate that in games. Uh, if you're going to have a type of mission that has something particular whether it's sneaking around or whether it's terror defense i would prefer that was kept off to the side on a side quest chain so that i don't have to do it if i don't want to but that's that's just me maybe that's uh splitting hairs here i don't know how how do you feel about a thing like that because it's really i think it's the only thing that really made me close to giving up on the game because i just really hate terror defense
1: um yeah i remember the, the bits in Gears of War 4 that annoyed me were those oh, sections yeah. yeah it's it's one of those things where uh, a game has like uh, whatever the kind of genre or mechanic that it is uh, and it, it, it tries to add something else for the purpose of adding variety um, which you know there's nothing wrong with that it's, it's a noble thing to do um, the problem that Usually occurs is that uh, an idea, a mechanic is implemented, but it's kind of like a half-baked idea. Where it's not as fully kind of executed as it could be because it's just it's yeah. this thing that's kind of latched onto the side. Um, I'm fine with it if if it works out the way it should be, but when I think of tower defense, uh, like a, a Tony Hawk's Jet Set Radio. Uh, crossover isn't the first thing that I think of um and I know there there are complaints as well like about how um and I think it's more to do with um the fact that Spider-Man is kind of heavily inspired by the the Arkham games that like Spider-Man has these kind of like stealth parts where you know Spider-Man is just not a stealthy character um so yeah it's it can work, but it has to be done uh, right, and it can't just be you know, trying to add some level of, of um, changing things up a bit for the sake of doing it if it's not implemented correctly
0: yeah and i think it's like it's really the tower defense thing one of my problems with it is that if you don't put a huge amount of time into it, you're just like this is where i want to put a tower defense mission to slow things down or make it a bit difficult on the player if you don't make it a dynamic enough experience you get what this game has in its terror defense missions and that is making it just really just a, a, a chore and a slog to go through. I wouldn't say... Like, some of them are annoyingly difficult, but for the most part, it's just annoying. I, I just don't... I actively dislike them. And it's such a shame that this is how they pick the, their regular intervals in this game. Like, maybe every two or three hours of play, there's a mission like this. And it makes it... It just is really frustrating, though, I think... Uh, a lot of people who bounced off the game i would be willing to put a little bit of money that that played a little bit into it because it really in a game that's all about how you don't stop moving it grinds things to a fucking halt which is just ironic in the highest degree um and it's such a shame because that is probably the only real downside i have to this game i think uh on a musical level on a, on an aesthetic level, it's knocked it out of the park. I I think mechanically so much is going right for it. That it's, it's maddening to me that this is, this one thing stands out. So like such a sore thumb, which I suppose in, in some ways, Mark, it's that it's a testament of quality to the rest of the game. That one thing that's just a little off stands out so much from the rest of it. Um, it's a game that has developed a real uh cult following over the years i i think part of that is down to just how damn good it is but i think part of it as well is down to that it was an early game on the xbox one when no one fucking had an xbox one and it seems that it, it, it's probably going to be left in the kind of uh, that period of xbox where the likes of titanfall one were coming out where there was a bunch of pretty good games but just no one was on xbox one to play it and it's going to get missed Uh, and it's a shame if this game because it's published by microsoft studios i suspect never would come out on another platform i would hope because there has been a little bit of chat that one of the teams i think there's two teams at insomniac may be looking at a sunset overdrive too and that may be a multi-platform situation and i hope they get another crack at it it's a It's a universe that i think would be really fun to reinsert myself into i think after spider-man where there aren't really those kind of there are some missions that are more difficult than others and like all open world games as we said before there are some side quest chains that tend to be just variations on a theme but that's kind of the cost of doing business with with an open world game um I think on the other side of Marvel Spider-Man, they could make an even better Sunset Overdrive, which in turn would inform a much better Marvel Spider-Man two whenever that would come out, which I assume it will based on how outrageously well that game is done. Um, but yeah, um, I suppose I'll 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 take it to the end. Unless you you have you anything to add from your brief experience? No, package?
1: it's um, it's it's hard for me to to. Uh... Kind of come up with any like feedback or, or uh, comments on the game but like for you you say that it did it was this game that was kind of a cross between like certain other games and clearly were heavily inspired by it like do you feel that it, it it reaches or matches any of those to any degree and how do you feel like it as um it was a launch game for the xbox one i feel it was no it was oh. a year after oh, it was a year after oh, i was well then okay so my second yeah. question is completely pointless though but um As a game that's clearly, you know, heavily inspired by um, the games that we mentioned, like, do you feel that at any point it kind of matches any of those what it's doing, or do you feel that it just it takes elements of those, it makes something that's a little bit different but still clearly heavily inspired by, um, and and fills a void because obviously we, you know, don't
0: have anything like Jet Set Radio Mm. or or
1: Tony Hawk's
0: uh, at the time at the moment. Yeah, I I don't think it's a return to that because I, I think. There are certain genre of game. There are certain genres of game that are. I don't think you could reboot the entire the the wave that was the the skate game of the late nineties, early two thousands. I don't think you could just come out with it. But look, they tried to do another Tony Hawk a couple of years ago, and look how fucking bad that was. Um, what I do think it is, it's more the latter of the two examples he gave. It, it's a love letter to the likes of. Uh, Tony Hawk and to Jet Set Radio. I don't think it's necessarily trying to completely rip off those two. It is very much its own thing in a lot of ways, but I don't think you get to Sunset Overdrive without it being heavily influenced by the, by those kind of games. Um, and it's just much like Jet Set Radio is actually a similar case to it. That it's a shame it was on uh, it was on a certain console and didn't get kind of more widely seen at the time i think this would have been if this had come out as a playstation 4 exclusive i think people would have fucking raved about it but it's just it came out at the height of xbox one is not a cool console it is behind the times fuck that thing let's go play bloodborne or whatever was coming out around this time on on ps4 um it's a real shame um to kind of sum it up Uh, I I know when we put a game in the book club, it means it's a unique game in some respect, but this is a very, very unique game. I I think for a game to just relax, blitz across a really colorful city, explore, shoot the shit out of what are basically rage zombies, uh, except they, they drank energy drink instead of the usual kind of biting that zombies do. Um, play with some fucked up weapons, like there's a vinyl record launcher that you can add elemental effects to, there's a bunch of crazy shit, a bowling ball rocket launcher, uh, some pretty wild shit, a really creative game artistically uh, that that has a real fun feel to it. Uh, I, and if you have an Xbox One and don't own this game, sort your fucking life out, because there's, there, are, <laughs> there are so few genuinely unique, good games high quality first party games on that system and this is definitely one of them and uh, that's Sunset Overdrive. Mark, one last bit of business every week on the podcast and that is to announce what game we're going to be covering next week. It is your turn my friend step up to the plate knock that shit out of the park. So
1: I've picked a game that I've just realized in terms of picking like the music to introduce it with is going to be nigh on in- fucking impossible but I'll I'll cross that bridge when I come to it next week um dave i uh and this is a game that actually in a way is a, a genre unto itself um it's a game that's probably been played by more people than we could really ever kind of put a number on uh and we don't ever think about it but and i don't know how the hell we're going to talk about it for 20 minutes but we're going to find a way dave ryan i want to talk to you next week about snake <laughs>
0: Is it just Snake, or are we talking about the Snake franchise, where we can talk about Snake 2 as well? I, You know what?
1: I, it probably is the kind of thing where we should bundle it all together.
0: <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a curious one. Uh, like I said, get, a game that I spent a lot of time playing on my Nokia 30, 3210. I mean, didn't we uh, all? Didn't we all, and... Yeah, 20 minutes is going to be quite something. I'll, I'll have to be thinking about that all week. Thank I imagine, you very much.
1: I imagine there's a lot that can be said about it that isn't just the game itself, you know.
0: It's, it feels like one of those things that if we start looking into it, there's probably like an untold story of Snake somewhere that we haven't considered. But uh, yeah, right. OK, Snake is going to be our game for episode 126. i you off for of that one, haven't I? You really have. This is, you know, I, I got to start thinking. It's been a while since I pulled an obscure one on you, and that's because I don't think I can ever top the Neverhood. Oh, never,
1: never, never, I, never.
0: I will, I will. I don't think I could ever pull. Actually, I did with gods as well, didn't I? I, I was able to pull two games out that you'd never heard of before, um, and those are some of my proudest, accompli- proudest accomplishments in this show. Um, anyway. That's going to do it for this week on Link to the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcasting platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. It, it all helps us. Website, linktothecast.eu. If you want to get in touch with us, drop us an email. Linktothecast at gmail.com is where you can do that. Uh, social media, though, the best way to keep up to date with the content we're posting and to get a timely response back from one or the other of us. Uh, on Facebook, or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash link to the Cast, and at link to the Cast on Twitter, Individually speaking, though, uh, I'm at the Day to Dave and Mark is at Lithium Project. If games aren't your only interest, we may have the podcast for you. Also available in this feed are the Grap Up, which is a once every few months pro wrestling podcast that we actually haven't done since fucking WrestleMania. We need to do one of those. Um, Usually myself, usually Mark, usually Jack and the Chair Shop podcast's own Barry Murphy, friend of the show, uh, on that show. Um, So maybe keep an eye out in the coming ones for one of those. The Popcorn Social, which is a monthly deep dive into the latest cinema offerings with myself and Jack. We are in the process of trying to figure out a day when I come back from Germany where we can record one of those. We had one half in the can before uh hideous technical difficulties arose once again but uh hopefully we can play through next time because i really enjoyed doing doing those shows with jack Uh, he's a great man to shoot the breeze with movies about these podcasts plus your weekly link to the cast flagship broadcast are available in the same podcast feed so just subscribe to link to the cast on your favorite podcast platform and that should do the trick And there are so many episodes, 125 as we say now in the can, and a bunch of popcorn socials and giant uh, sized annual specials, game of the year, um, some wrap ups as well. So if there's a topic you think maybe you'd like to hear us talk about, there's a fair chance, Mark, in our three some years doing this show, we probably have already talked about it. So go on to linkedincast.eu and search on there or search in your podcast feed once you subscribe to us. And you may be pleasantly surprised by some more link to the cast you'd like to listen to. Anyway, for this week on the program, I've been Dave Ryan. The man on the line has been Mark Robinson. We shall see you all next weekend. Good Abend. Uh, Bye.